The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. It's time for the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield today. Susan having the opportunity to speak to FFA members, and it's always good to talk to that next generation of agriculture. Joining us to talk the trade today is Arlen Suderman, INTLFC Stone. Arlen, thank you for joining us today. Let's start here with a quick recap of the day's trade. In the grains, it closes mixed on the day, but actually it started the trade opening bell this morning a little bit stronger. It did, and then uh, corn kind of lost its energy, and uh, soybeans uh, pulled back from their highs but still uh, finished the day in the green. On the corn side, I think we're looking at some technical factors there. Corn has been in a descending channel now for the last couple of months. It bounced off of last week's low. We had some short covering. That rally took it up to the top of that descending channel in the charts with a big crop report coming out on Friday, USDA's quarterly stocks report, known for its surprises, oftentimes surprises that kind of defy logic. Uh, traders are a little bit reluctant to add to their ownership of corn at this point ahead of that, and so it pulled back after probing the top of that technical signal. It kind of pulled back again. I anticipate we'll probably see some more consolidation into Friday ahead of that report. Soybeans getting some support from some strong export demand going to places other than China, and uh, maybe a little bit more demand than what some observers thought we would have with China and U.S in a trade war, giving it a little bit of support. Let's talk about some recent news that just came out. That's the Federal Reserve. They're looking to raise interest rates once again. Arlen, what's your take on that for interest rates as it, in terms to ag lending? Well, it's the short-term rates that are getting pushed up by the Fed. That's only really the only thing the Fed really has control over, but that does tend to reflect what's going on in the economy. So as a general rule, as the Fed inches its rates higher on the short-term level, uh, 25 basis points at a time or a quarter of a percent, the longer-term rates do tend to go higher as well. They have not been going up at the same speed as the near-term, because there are many in the economy and in the market who are not as optimistic about the long-term outlook, particularly with the trade wars going on, etc. But um, we have seen a little bit more elevation of some of those longer-term rates here over the past week or so. And uh, so, so for those who have some loans on the farm that maybe aren't locked in or whatever, they do have some upside risk in that um, as we're seeing interest rates go up as the economy gets a little bit healthier foundation underneath of it. The Fed's actions today were pretty much as expected. Their famous dot plot graphic where all the members of the Fed put down on a graph where they expect rates to be at the end of this year and at the end of next year and a year after would seem to suggest that the Fed expects to raise rates again in December and probably uh, at least three more times next year, followed by one time in 2020. So it looks like they think they're going to have rates fairly what they would consider to be normalized by the time we get to the end of next year. 
Let's talk. Let's stay with the general economy, Arlen, and talk about what you've uh, released in your newsletter today called the Street Stock Investor's Confidence Level. And that's a big measure of where investors around the world are looking. And actually, there was a drop from August to September, but the biggest drop came in North America. And you think it may be uh, some money movement that could be eyeing commodities eventually. That's a real possibility. Now, overall, the global, and this is an index based on actual investor decisions. They simply say, well, where's investment money going? And so it's not an opinion, but it's a, a measurement of money flow into which market is it going. And measure, looking specifically on, on investor attitudes toward the equities. And uh, the global index... Uh, took a significant downturn to 88.3 for September. That's down 5.7 points on the month after an even larger drop the previous month. So my, I naturally thought, okay, that's more reflective of a lack of confidence overseas because U.S. stock market's been hitting record highs here recently. But when you break it down by continent, we're really seeing much stronger investment in equities in Europe and in Asia. It's the United States where it's been dropping off. Now, does that mean it's a lack of confidence in our economy, a fear that maybe this is, economic growth is about over? Or is it simply saying, okay, we've, we've done what we want to do in the stock market, and now we're looking for opportunities in the commodity sector um, because a healthy economy generally requires more commodities? That's an unanswered question. This is kind of a, an index that doesn't give answers to that. It just says it what level of investor interest is there in the equities. But it is something to keep an eye on to see. We have noticed during the month of September, which this is based, that commodity, the fall in commodity values did stop, and we did start to see an elevation of commodity values, mostly led by the energy sector, but also some in the ags as well. So this will be interesting to watch. Arlen, before we go to break here on our first one, let's discuss other headlines today, and that is Mexico coming in here and buying 672,000 tons, nearly 25 million bushels of soybeans. Yeah, that's a big buy for anybody, and we're not surprised when China buys that many, but China is not buying U.S. soybeans for the most part now. So what does that mean? And I've had a lot of questions. Is this just a pass-through for China? Mexico buys them and then resells them to China at a higher price. I don't think so, because U.S. soybeans can be identified versus South American beans, and what South American feed buyers are telling us is they are afraid to be caught. They're scared. They don't want to be caught in importing U.S. soybeans, afraid what government officials might do to them. I think this is representative of the expanding pork production that we're seeing in Mexico, and buyers seeing a cheap price and cheap price, therefore buying demand. That's Arlen Suderman again, who we're talking with today. Arlen with INTL FC Stone. Coming up next on the Fontenelle Final Bell, we're also going to discuss possibly Argentina and Brazil looking at U.S. soybeans, as well as black sea wheat and its effects currently on the market. Of course, when you want the latest in ag news and market information, make it the Rural Radio Network. When you want market news, make it the Fontenelle Final Bell. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Clay Patton, in for Susan Littlefield today. We're talking with Arlen Suderman of INTL FC Stone. Arlen, thanks again for joining us. In our first segment, we ended by talking about Mexico's buy on soybeans today. A little over 25 million bushels is what it looks like. There's also been this floating around of Argentina and Brazil coming in buying U.S. soybeans. We've seen some cargoes for Argentina already be expected out. What is your take here on them buying beans 
it, it was in relation to our last segment. Yeah, we have seen this happen, and it's here again. It's not soybeans passing through Argentina to China, but rather it's China coming up and buying soybeans out of Argentina and Brazil that the crush industry there was planning on purchasing and didn't get purchased. And so now the crush industry is having to look for soybeans in order to meet their needs for meal and oil. And so in Argentina, they've already the, the numbers have been working for them. They've been purchasing soybeans. Uh, unconfirmed rumors of, of one crusher alone having better than 40 million bushels already on the books. Generally, the expectation is, is Argentina is probably going to end up importing between 1.6 and, uh, and 2 million metric tons of soybeans from the United States. That would be between 60 and 75 million bushels. Uh, there's an expectation that Brazil may import about uh, uh, 35 to 40 million bushels of soybeans. Brazil really isn't doing any purchasing yet. Price, the price difference is not yet to the point of making it work. That's because of the high freight rates. In Argentina, crushers are near the ports. Whereas in Brazil, most of the crushers are some distance away from the ports, so they have to be hauled to the processor, and their truck freight rates are very high in Brazil following uh, the uh, trucker strike they had earlier this year. So the spread is not quite enough to now yet to favor uh, soybeans going down into Brazil, but it's still expected to happen at some point. Let's switch gears now and talk about wheat. It's been one that has tried to feed the Corn Bowl here uh, earlier this week, late last week as well. Part of what we saw a little bit today, though, was the uh, Black Sea region. It looks like they got enough rain to start emergence, at least on their winter wheat. It had been extremely dry across most of the Black Sea region, and frankly, across much of Europe. Uh, at least a third of Europe was very dry, and uh, now... Most of those European areas have received rain. France is still on the dry side, a few other spots, um, but expect to have some more opportunities coming. The real concern was the Black Sea, and of course the Black Sea really sets the world price. They had a smaller crop this year than last year's big bumper crop. And so if we were going to sustain a rally, it needed to be tied toward problems getting that black sea crop uh, planted, particularly in Russia, uh, where some of the wheat production goes further to the north and has the harsh winters. They've had some good showers here over the past week or so enough to get the crop germinated in most areas. There are still some concerning areas in the far north, um, and it looks like that may stay dry. They've got enough rain to get it germinated, but it may stay dry beyond that. And that would be about 5% of the production. To the southeast of the winter wheat belt, there's about, about 20% of the production in that area that's still dry. But that area doesn't go dormant until mid-November, very similar to what we're like in the Central Plains. And so there's still time for rains to come in that area, although the 30-day outlook doesn't offer a lot of hope. So that's something else we're still keeping our eye on. In the short-term view of that, Arlen, is weather still going to be a major factor here trading over the next six months? Well, I think it is. We have brought down the stock levels in wheat uh, significantly among the major exporters, uh, but we still have adequate supplies. The question is, will we draw them down even more? And that has big implications for corn as well, because the huge stocks that we've had over the past year, every time corn would try to rally, wheat would kind of pull it down. So if we can tighten up those wheat supplies, that gives a little bit more freedom for corn to go higher as well. 
when a producer is taking a look here at our current market environment and what we're seeing, and of course maybe a little bit of time where you're on the combine, you're on the grain cart here as we gear up for fall harvest, are there some key technical points or areas that producers should be watching in those forward looking out to, towards 2019 or in some 2020 contracts for some price levels to maybe make some marketing moves? Well, I think when you look at the corn market, I continue to be friendly to long-term outlook, and, and fund managers are really looking for uh, multi-year lows here as well. There's still no guarantees that we've put in the current lows, and so I think what we need to be looking at, does the current lows hold? And and that would be the 342 level for the nearby contract. Really, that 336 to 342 level is critical. And if so, I think there's a lot of money in the market that's gambling and, and on markets working higher from that point. We'll have to see if that plays out. A lot of it depends on the size of this crop. On the soybean market, uh, very similar dynamics, but I, I think the real hope there of a rally is a short covering rally when we get a trade deal. If we get a trade deal, the, the significant objective there would be the 943 level on that type of thing. Again, we're talking with Arlen Suderman, INTLFC Stone on the Fontenelle Final Bell. You can catch a podcast of our conversation later today at RuralRadio.com. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network and the Fontenelle Final Bell. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.